0: Welcome to episode 16 of Site Chat. In today's episode, James and I discuss about motivation at work. If you enjoyed this episode or have any comments or suggestions, please send them to sitechat at omnisitecom or tweet to site underscore chat. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have me again, James Mollet-Kirk from Malaysia. Hi, James.
1: <laughs> Hello, Austin. I don't know why that sounded so grand of an introduction, but thank you. I'm delighted to be here again. Well, I'm always very grand when I introduce my
0: co-host. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to share with you that I was just looking at some of the analytics, as we all do, uh, for our podcast. We have uh, actually quite a number of uh, um, subscribers and also downloads for our program, which is uh, interesting to know. Um I and mean, we have people from all over different places that is actually, you know, uh, downloading our stuff just to give you a, a flavor of who they are. We have people from Hong Kong, of course, that's where I am. Uh, the States, uh, United Kingdom, Spain, China, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Germany, Kenya, Japan, um, hmm. Zimbabwe, uh, Portugal, Mexico, just a few other people that is actually downloading ourselves. So we are very international just to, to uh, emphasize that. So whoever is listening, thank you for listening to uh, both James and myself talking about topics that are related to um, with the workplace. Now today we decided we are going to talk about something that uh, maybe at this present time, when all of us are now uh, kind of working from home and all our work practices are all different. Um, the topic of Motivation, motivation at work, perhaps. Now, as as we start talking about motivation, we usually talk about the first thing that comes to mind for most of us is Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, uh, which you know he has talked about physiological needs, safety needs, belonging needs, uh, belongingness, esteem, and self-actualization. Now, this is something that has always been been uh, discussed that uh, all of us. Look at when we talk about motivation, but uh, of course, you know, not exactly applicable. I think in present time and in in the the hierarchy itself, perhaps has been kind of uh, discussed and critiqued about. Uh, not necessarily we need to satisfy our most basic needs, which is the physiological needs, uh, in order to be able to be happy. I, I think. Uh, Just looking at the context of people who might come from very uh, undeveloped countries, where living day-to-day is something of a struggle, but yet they are perhaps happier than most of us, because all of us are (laughs) so stressed, all of us are so bombarded with uh, social media, information. Uh, we we are not as happy as most of them. So I think maybe motivation to many of us are very different. I mean, for me, it's very different, I guess, also for James. Um, James, what, what do you think? I mean, in terms of motivation, I'm just starting off with the, the most classic one, you know, hierarchy of needs, uh, dealing with motivation. in in this context of, of work now, um, are we seeing people are less motivated or do you think people are more motivated now?
1: I don't think the human condition has changed. <laughs> I don't. I think uh, uh, the question is, we've got, we got a couple of questions on motivation. It's, when I looked at, this, at the topic and having just you know, delivered some a course at university as well on it, the subject of motivation is really interesting because it's what you talked about Maslow and so on, hierarchy of needs is something that many managers, most managers will know. It's a very accessible um, model, yeah, and yet it's you know rarely backed up by any research uh, that's that's significantly supporting it. Um, but it persists in that idea. For me, the issue of motivation is, is, psychologically, why are we interested in it? And as applied psychologists, you know, even more important, why are we interested in it? It's of course to try to to do two things. We're trying to get people to apply themselves at work through this discretionary, motive, discretionary energy, yeah? yep. discretionary work. Actually, uh, if you can work hard, we want you to. And, and you know, to translate that, all those knowledge, skills, and abilities into actual action. And And by doing work that people are motivated Actually enjoy it, find meaningful or purposeful. They tend to be more people tend to be more happy, satisfied, and better well-being. So for performance and well-being, is why for us motivation is important. Yep, it's it's a it's a critical thing for us to understand and then obviously, in some ways, manipulate positively Mm. uh, for those those good outcomes. And so when we're thinking about you know what is it? Of course, we can define it. There's some good definitions around um, about this um energizing focusing uh, a maintenance uh, of uh, of discretionary effort yeah it, i i find that it, we psychologists have tended to certainly how we teach it we still focus on these you know 1940s 50s 60s models that are quite static uh, look at motivation from the individual point of view Mm. Um, they're easy to recite oh you need this you need that Um, but very much derived from you know instincts and drives of you know animal studies and Yep. and we've rarely moved on to Mm. embrace the more modern approaches which are much more looking at motivation as you know part of a bigger picture yeah where Mm. society social values and needs uh, will influence someone's motivations Mm. Um, so to you know, so for for me, the things like uh, your know, Maslow's are certainly interesting. it's a nice routine mm. um, and yet it's not it's it's certainly not fit for purpose what we're really trying to do with it
0: yeah so we should we kind of use Maslow's um, hierarchical needs as a basis for most of us to understand mm. and then move on to newer theories, I guess. um you know I don't want to sound too um, uh, technical or too uh, Uh, academic but I think there are a couple of theories that's actually been used outside Uh, now people are researching and talking about it Um, one of them being equity theory you know people wanting to to feel that everything that they do within an organization is fair or they have been treated fairly and I think that that kind of theory is is in this present time I think people are feeling that Uh, they need to be treated well. They need to be treated fairly in terms of maybe uh, an area of perhaps procedural. You know, if I'm treated procedurally procedurally in one way, James, you should be treated that way too. Uh, And then, you know, whether the organization is treating me fairly in terms of maybe my compensation for the same work that we are doing, uh, that is something that people are also looking at which is quite interesting into, to, to, to an extent because I'm just looking at the different um, um, work groups. You know, we mm. have the people who are the boomers, then the uh, Gen X, the Gen Y, the Millennials, and then, of course, now the, the newer Gen Z. Everybody has different kind of perspective and different needs there. Uh, some people will be looking a little bit more of not working so hard, don't want to be compens- compensated. Uh, they're not motivated to work. Uh, because, you know, to them, other issues are a bit more important. And coming back to equity theory, justice is very important for them. So things that people are looking for now when they join an organisation uh, is whether there is a fair employment uh, policy within the organisation, what is their CR- CSR initiatives? and these are the two things that people look at. Um, of course, with, with the world is evolving and, and changing at the moment, Now, more and more, we are looking at a lot of research and also a lot of talk about uh, uh, equality of pay uh, and then also women in in leadership. And we also have uh, people of different uh, sexual orientation, uh, different perspective. All this has been taken into context. And I think this is what uh, the world Uh, of the work environment is is moving towards we're not seeing just fulfilling your fundamental needs we are now also fulfilling maybe a society or social need now that if people feel uncomfortable that their social needs are not met and that doesn't kind of align with what they they believe or their their beliefs uh, they will not join an organization they will be willing to not be be taking a a well-paid job but doing something that they like and I think that that's what I'm seeing in terms of you know people are motivated but of course that is subject to I think different uh, work groups here maybe the younger work groups who are a little bit more entrepreneurial and a bit more uh, exposed to technology and social media their kind of mindset is very different from you and I I, I guess <laughs>
1: I'm so young.
0: <laughs> we, we have a perspective. How old we are now? We, I mean,
1: we, you know, we are
0: young at heart, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it makes sense what you're saying. There's, there are issues of, you know, our different um, demographic groups. Yeah, are uh, different things. Um, are they more sensitive to different things that they find more meaningful or purposeful? Um, that 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 makes sense. Uh, you know, I think that research is is ongoing. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, equity yeah has definitely become you know, a, a critical factor in, in, across society these days. Equity theory definitely is is something about you know perceived fairness which people people find to be important as well in, okay. in choosing jobs, so motivation for, for choosing a job. I think the, the for me, still the bigger purposes of, of motivation is you know, is to answer those questions for psychologists to help answer the questions of, you know, for, for the managers, how do I motivate my team? I How do I get them to do more of what I want them to do happily, which actually is almost uh, the definition of leadership. Yep. Um, and and at a different level, how do how do I how do we influence uh, uh, how do I motivate myself? Mm. Mm. How do I connect with things that are important to me to somehow get me out of bed earlier, mm. you know, working more effectively um, and being happy doing it? How do I do mm. that? Mm. Um, it, there's an even higher level, of course. Is you know how do we how do we bring about behavioural change in society? Mm. Through motivating change, Mm. motivation has to be part of that. When we're predicting behaviour, what do we look at? Of course, we, you know, some of the personality, the the psychological things we look at is personality traits and motivators. Yeah, Yeah. and we tend to look at them individually. We know that our traits predict behaviour, and we know that motivators, motivators also predict behaviour in terms Mm. of performance outcomes and satisfaction, Mm. turnover. We know that. So, people who are motivated who share the values, if you like. One way of thinking about motivators, um, share these shared values. One thing you talked about was equity. If I share the value of the, of the company, I'm happy to be here. Mm. So uh, a resulting behavior is is I, I stay likely to stay longer at the company. Yep. I've got more pro-company you know, you know, citizenship behaviors and less counterproductive behaviors. Mm. There are high-level behavioral outcomes mm. of of sharing values Mm. that become motivating, um, Mm. in terms of finding meaning and and therefore staying and so on. But when we're looking at, uh, how do we influence behavior at a societal level? Again, we, we've got to be able to move beyond a Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of, well, we just need to give them this. We need to, you know, give them better food, you know, name them into a group, whatever it is. And that's just not enough to try and, Move forward, motivated um, behavioral change in society. Look at look at the, the challenges that a place like the U.S. has at the moment. Mm. How do we use motivation, our knowledge of motivation and theories, to bring about positive change for that society? Mm. That's just amazing. How do you how do you use motivation in a team, a new mm. team mm. that you just bring in together? How do we do that? Mm. Um, so I think the challenge for us as, as psychologists is is whatever theory you're hanging on to. Um, is you've got to be able to apply them to actually bring about motivated behavioral change. Yep, yep. That is indeed very important. And I think it's also
0: very important to understand that while you're trying to do that, whatever theory that you're using, you must also understand there are certain factors that you have to deal with. For example, if you're trying to motivate a group of people or your team members and they are not motivated, for certain reasons, it's good to find out what is it and exactly what what they are. Uh, it could be a, a issue of maybe that's their personality. How do we look at perhaps changing the uh, work task or the description of the work to mm. encourage people? And I think that is uh, necessary to have those conversation with individuals, especially if you are a team leader or manager trying to motivate people, it's no longer good enough to say, well, you're paid to do your job, do it. Because nowadays, people can just look at it as well. Well, you know, if the company or the organization doesn't really care about me, I'm not going to be motivated. I'm not going to be working. So they were going to be doing funny things. They're going to start to exhibit things like what we talk about, counterproductive work behavior. And that is going to be detrimental to the organization. So as leaders and managers, please remember when you're trying to look at motivation, you have to go a little bit skin deep, not just say, well, let's do something different. Let's provide them fruits for the week or something or or give them a a yoga class so that we could motivate them. Sometimes it's, it's not just those fundamental things. Sometimes people just want to have an environment where they could thrive in terms of their own development. They could have an engaged uh, conversation with their peers to discuss ideas. So find out what exactly are the reasons for their feeling not motivated uh, at work. And that is very important. So whatever theories they're using, always go down to the fundamental. Find out what exactly are the reasons why people are not uh, motivated itself. Now, there's an interesting thing, that I picked up um, uh, quite recently, uh, the concept of job crafting. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Job crafting is more of you know, how people could actually shape their job roles to enhance their sense of meaning and motivation. So for example, as what I was saying, modif- uh, modifying their tasks. So, but they're given the autonomy to do so. I think more and more, we are seeing that at the present moment where uh, or most of us are actually working from home or remotely how could we actually uh, change the momentum, the way we do certain things, but yet still being uh, efficient in, in, in delivering the, the jobs that we have. And I think that could be, you know, it's, it's a very new concept uh, that you know, uh, individuals are given the, the autonomy to do so. But I, I do see that it's going to be beneficial for organisation. Uh, one thing, for example, if someone who is actually an expert in an area come into an organisation, if you give them a bit of leeway, you give them the autonomy, they're going to create even greater impact for the organization. So that will be a good thing. However, I think job crafting is also very uh, uh, specific to certain jobs only, I think. Uh, you you can't redesign perhaps a, a, a task that is actually monotonous or repetitive uh, in, in the sense that there's only one way of doing so. If you try to modify it, that could be actually uh, not so I think while it is a it's a it's a nice idea to give the autonomy back to the employees to let them find the best way to uh, perform their task, uh, it is not for every every uh, task that that, that that within the organization. So if you are thinking of uh, introducing job crafting to to the organization, be mindful about that also um, hmm. in terms of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a nice thing you pick up on job crafting. It 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 talks firstly to the idea, of course, of job design. Mm. Is that um, if if a person uh, is is that we if we design an environment that the person responds positively to, you're likely to get yep. more out of them. Out of designing the job. So if if there is a person who um, really has a desire um, and enjoyment of social interaction, you know, ideally. Don't don't give them a job that doesn't give them any social interaction. They will, in the end, become depressed and leave. So if you want more from them, if you want them to find their jobs meaningful, purposeful, you need to satisfy those desires. And you can spot those desires through, you know, again, motivators, value uh, surveys of the various models or from even from personality traits, because Mm. extroverts prefer social environments where they can interact. So same, same. You've got an idea about what the person will typically enjoy or or drift towards. So designing jobs Mm. is something that managers can do. Design jobs that fit the people who you've got. Mm. Uh, And that's really great. It's not, of course, giving away the shot because you've got a process that must be effective and efficient um, and you've got limited resources. But taking that into into account is the first step to to seeing that people are unique. And the more that you can craft things to them, like tailoring their clothes, well, then the better they look and the better they feel. Yeah, yeah, The better those clothes function when you've tailored them to them. Everyone's still wearing a suit, maybe, but you've tailored the suit to this person. Mm. It's the color they like. It's the shape they like, it's mm. the cut they like, and it fits, and they feel great. Well, that's the same for for job design, isn't it? we mm. are still mm. wearing a suit, you're still getting the job done, but you've crafted, you you you've designed the job a little bit better to suit that individual person who you've got. You've adapted mm. the team responsibilities, you've adapted the process a bit, you've mm. given them, a, you've changed the workloads, you've changed the way they communicate, and you know mm. what? For this unique group of people, this unique person. They work better this way. Yep. And job crafting is is a really lovely thing. Um, and you're right; it doesn't obviously not every area is going to make this possible, but it just it talks to another theory, which is self-determination theory. Yep. Uh, which I'm sure we'll pick up on in a second, but which focuses on which which one of the three uh, uh, fundamental needs that is identified in that theory mm. um, from Desi and Ryan yep. it, is autonomy. Yep. so of course when you just the act of giving somebody the choice a choice even if it's limited to adapt the job themselves to tailor it themselves to themselves to do their own job design you know it really also not only makes them feel better it, it allows their competences and abilities to, to yeah. flow better It mm. makes them feel better at work it just they're cutting the suit themselves yep if, and that feeds their sense of autonomy as well yeah. and that's Again, so you're, for those who have that need for the jobs that allow that to happen, um, to provide the mm. opportunity for job crafting is a, you know, is, is a home run. Yep. Uh, worth, worth worth looking at job crafting with Amy Wrezywski. Yes. Vrezuski, yes. Um, fine, Polish Vre- name. Very,
0: very long name, yes. I, I do um, have that, that reference too, yes. Which yes. We will put it on the uh, uh, show notes for sure. Uh, about job, customer. I mean you, you're right about the uh, self-determining nation theory, Ryan Daisy. Um, autonomy being one of the the uh, component of it, and I think it's true when when someone is given that autonomy, they feel that they are in control. They'll be more competent in what they do anyway, and once mm-hmm. they are able to be feeling that way, they are going to be a great contributor to to the organization. And I think talking about contributor itself. Um, sometimes you know the organization concept because we are, we are in a w- world of organization where team dynamics is very important. We need to get people to work together. Um, I think we shouldn't uh, forget that some people thrive being an individual contributor. You know, they don't need to work within a team context, but they mm. are contributing to the overall success of a task of a a goal, that is fine, because I think this is where if someone like that, uh, who has that ability to do so, has the autonomy to craft their job, if they are contributing to the bigger picture, to the bigger uh, scheme of things, that is all right too. You know, we don't need to to, uh, have everybody to work within a team you know, uh, to be be united as a team member. Some people just don't. And some people, likewise, being an individual contributor, don't want to lead other people. They don't want to take charge because that's how they, they thrive. And I think this is where organization perhaps also need to understand. Um, sometimes we need to kind of tailor-made, you know, picking up from the word that you say about you know, making something uh, individualistic, uh, tailor-made to, to the individuals as long as they are able to <clears throat> contribute to the organization. To me, in my mind, that is fine. We don't need to have everybody of the same mold, everybody thinking in, in the same uh, uh, thought pattern, because then we we are actually killing creativity, I think. We need to be able to have people who are a little bit quirky, a little bit different, uh, to join an organization. and And I think in doing so, we are creating a good mix of different personality, um, a different uh, working style. And as long as people are able to work together for the, the, the goal and, and the greater good of the organisation, um, don't shy away from people who are a little bit different, I think. And that, that is important uh, because when you have someone like that, you will have a, a great impact in, in whatever you are trying to achieve in an organisation. Um, and talking about individual itself, you know, just now we talk about team. How do we motivate people? As individual, how do we motivate ourselves? Um, what one, one of those uh, theory that we all talk about is, is goal setting theory, and we use it a lot. Yeah. In terms of you know uh, what are goals, and then we use a SMART model to identify those uh, areas that we want to achieve. And I think um, it is still relevant. Right, uh, that people are uh, uh, still using it. Um, do you see that using a goal-setting kind of uh, model uh, is actually not useful, or do you think actually it's fine? If people are motivated uh, using a model like that.
1: Um, uh, absolutely relevant um, uh, goal-setting theory. Um, I'm just going to pick up something here um, in my notes here. Um, from uh, Locke and Latham, yeah? Yep. Yeah, this uh, theory is one of the bedrocks still of motivation and practical motivation mm-hmm. because the evidence supporting goal setting theory, which has developed over time, yes. building up evidence and shaping itself, you know, since the 1970s um, is very strong indeed. Um, it's, it is beyond, this is the important thing for practitioners. Now, if you know, the smart sort of, um, yes. little anagram, yeah. yep. uh, then that's, that's great. But goal setting theory is, is bigger than that. Mm. Um, the, the, the smart is in, is an important part of it. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely way in, but I do definitely recommend you go back because there some of the critical things such as feedback. Yep. Um, it is absolutely essential for goal setting to work, mm. um, and the nature of the types of goals that are set and why they work is 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 really great. Mm. I completely recommend folks to to read mm. up again on goal setting theory. It mm. has evolved; it's very powerful. Mm. Um, the other thing to say on goal setting theory, I'm, I'm just on SMART. Just a little beef that I have. Um, <laughs> if you if you um, Google Baidu whatever search for you know SMART goal setting theory, you often only see SMART, and so I, mm. I already say look for more yep and the the, the second thing is um that smart the r of smart uh is is relevant Mm. it's not realistic Mm. um go back to the original research from Locke and Latham and and, and l- l- see what they define smart as and don't deviate from that because that's linked to the actual research mm. some folks have enjoyed moving smart and redefining them and talking about something else well mm. those things are not necessarily based on the research mm. um so definitely have a look at at, at goal again and also say for a bonus <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that lock um developed uh about 1997 i think he he pulled it together a a a model of the work motivation process Mm. where he linked goal-setting theory with things like needs values and personality and, and even organizational commitment yep and again my sense of 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 Motivation, where we get the most value out of it now, as, as a few things I think we need to be doing. But one of them is to be able to see it as part of a process, where the the individual and the environment comes together to create motivated outcomes, motivated behaviours. Mm. Um, so, so Locke produced um, in, a, in in a uh, it was in, in about ninety seven I think this with this motivation process model, which pulls it together um so he looks at, at things like task complexity feedback and commitment and ability in the moderators of goals and that's so so very important to go beyond smart to look at these moderators but then yes. he linked it again with with things like self efficacy values needs and and, mm. uh, and outcomes yeah.
0: yes and, and those are very very important uh Uh, information to look at if you you will if our listeners are interested please go back and and look at the the research itself if not we can actually link the uh, link to the research in our show notes and then you know to understand what motivation is it's always good to go back to the uh, the the fundamental research itself and I I know there are a lot of uh, gurus outside that they are using different acronyms for different things uh, when, when I think about goal setting itself you know in, in the terms of um, um, kind of helping people to to uh, set their goals and in, in a coaching capacity I always always ask them not to only just look at smart I kind of stretch a little bit and say look um, to me <laughs> grow, grow model is also a very good way to look at you know the the, the um, your goals itself because sometimes mm. it's good to set a goal, but then we don't realize the, perhaps, the background or even the resources that is required to achieve those goals. Yeah. And which is why it's very easy to say, oh, well, I'm going to do this. And they don't really think about Individuals, when they do goal setting, they don't think about, um, how am I going to do this? Or even did they do? One of the things that I always like to ask them is, so what are the potential hurdles that you foresee that's going to happen or and if you you know if you do see those hurdles how are you going to actually mitigate that and this is one of those things that people don't look at and and I always ask them to go to grow model because grow model helps you to look at it as in you know what is your goal what is the reality what do you have what are resources you have what are things that you can actually leverage on now and how do you move forward from there and then people don't think about that. They always say, oh, I, I set a goal and that is good. And should, I've seen a lot of goal, goal, uh, goal setting, uh, uh, what do call it, exercises and also um, uh, formats. And questions I always ask people, good that you have this goal. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And, and one of the things that's actually stopping you from you know achieving those goals. These are the things that you need to think about. It's not just putting columns I want to do this. I will do this in three months, and then uh, this is what I want to achieve. And hopefully, this will achieve. And I like to unpick everything. This is a good goal, but is this goal too big? <laughs> uh, is it possible that maybe this is not the right goal at the moment? And you know, these are the questions as as, as psychologists we ask people. Uh, even I, I ask myself all the time. But <laughs> I put out <laughs> the goal. I'm like, oh, is this realistic? You know. Uh, what is what, what are the things that I have to consider you know, the pragmatism of it uh, and I think that is very very important so mm. I, I will add that bit a little bit more if you're looking at doing goal setting ask those tough questions one way of doing so perhaps is before you write down on a, a, a form that you've been given by your organisation to write goals think properly what exactly are you trying to achieve and a lot of the goals that you write down they are probably related to each other anyway so you need to understand mm. what exactly are you trying to achieve here? Mm. I would say, go down to the bare, bare bones. You know, When you have a goal written down, ask yourself, what is this goal trying to do? What am I trying to do to achieve this goal? What exactly am I doing here? So pare it down again, pare it down, until you get the most fundamental goal. Ah, this is the goal that I want to do. The rest of those things that you've been talking about, those are the actions that you want to do. And that's where People get stuck when it, when they start doing goal setting. They always get something too big, or something that is too uh, rigid that they can't maneuver. So I think mm. it's important to remember that when you're setting goals, because if you get a very uh, a goal that is not possible to achieve, you're not motivated at all. You always find excuses. Oh, it's so difficult to do it because I can't achieve it. But it has something to do with when you first lay down the goal always remember why am I doing a goal setting exercise? What exactly am I ch- trying to achieve?
1: Yeah, it's, it's good points. Sorry, Austin, just, no, just go on. jump in mm. there. Yeah, um, I, I do agree I think that goal setting is such an important motivational tool that with proven psychological you know, evidence okay. behind it. Um, there's this challenge with goal setting in, in corporate environments where you know, goals have to be set at a certain time mm. to achieve business objectives. And some of those goals are just very logical. Mm-hmm. um the then there's goals of, for personal development which again mm-hmm. are, should be much more connected to the individual and the challenge with any of those goals for goal setting theory to really work one is it has to be that context where there's you know you're taking into consideration like you said obstacles degrees of commitment resources um uh, task complexity yep. uh, and 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 the actual nature of feedback that can be can be can be delivered during mm-hmm. the process of of pursuing pursuing a goal, I think the ultimately to, for motivated behavior from humans, the goal must have at some time at some level a neurological impact, because mm. motivation fundamentally at the neurological level is is primarily related to dopamine release yep. in anticipation of a reward. Mm. Yeah. And that can be, of course, the avoidance of of anticipated pain (laughs) as well. Uh, But ultimately, the dopamine is trying to say, I've done the calculations. Expectancy theories have been, expectancy has been calculated here. And I think I can do the things that will produce this result. And I will enjoy that result. Yes. So then I'm looking at the goal. I'm going, yeah, all those calculations have been done. And this now is motivating to me because dopamine is firing and encouraging me to act. Yeah. So it's the real job of, the, mm. of the, the body in motivating is to is to encourage us to act in anticipation that something mm. good or will avoid something bad. Yeah. And if, if the goal that you write, either for your team or for yourself, doesn't have that dopaminic reaction. Then the motivating <laughs> not by definition. <laughs> Neuro- uh, neurologically it's not motivating you will get whatever the default level of output is
0: yeah,
1: yeah. and potentially that is then extrinsically driven by money yeah. or obligation mm. so it is a grudging mm. um, pursuit of that goal you don't yeah. get the exemplary levels of mm. performance you could get mm. if dopamine is, is fired up yep. so you know it's not about inspiring it's not about you're, people have to be inspired. No, you've got to connect with what is meaningful or purposeful to them. Yeah. And then you're likely to get a dopamine reaction from a goal. Yeah.
0: Well, th- thank you for, for for kind of highlighting the intrinsic motivation there with the dopamine. Uh, when you were talking about that, it, well, the <laughs> first thing that came to my mind was Pavlo's dog. Uh, if <laughs> everybody knows, it's all well, about you know, it's you know, stimulation, uh, stimulus and, and reinforcement. Uh, but I think a lot of time we were talking about uh, people giving up you know, pursuing their goal uh it's, it's also the fact that maybe they feel, what's the point you know the kind of mentality of learn helplessness i've done it once i've done it twice i no longer want to do it again because it just doesn't work mm. uh, i i would always say to people you know as you said if you're not able to find the intrinsic kind of motivation or intrinsic uh satisfaction in a dopamine way uh, um we reconsider what you're writing because it has to have that that, uh, that joy of completing that goal, you yeah. know, and, and, it's, and the, the other thing about goal is that it's not just only completing that goal at that stage. There must be something beyond that that will spur you on to carry on doing so. It has to be a continuous thing. It's not just, okay, I finished this goal and that's it. You know, I no longer feel motivated and, and so on. Motivation is that it has whether whether it's intrinsic or extrinsic. It has to be an ongoing process. Yeah. And when you come to a point where you no longer feel motivated, that's where you've what we would call lost our spark. Go and find your spark. As as what Marie Kondo said, things that spark in your life. Well, <laughs> I I think this is where where you know at this present moment, especially for a lot of people who are perhaps feeling frustrated mm. at work. Or, with what we are facing at this present moment, people working from home, you don't have the luxury of getting out from your your home to your office, or you're feeling that you are facing uh, redundancy or retrenchment. You know I always find when you are in a difficult position, sometimes it's also good to reevaluate your life and look at what really do you want to achieve. Especially now you have more time. You could think about it and what motivates you to achieve those things. And there's no better time than now, I think. <clears throat> you know, don't wait. Even if you are gainfully employed, <laughs> one of the things that I I always believe is it's always good to reassess and reevaluate where where my motivational level is. Mm. You know, am I still feeling so motivated as I first joined this organization? If not, maybe I, I need to seek for something else, right? Sometimes a change of environment, a change of job might be good. So it's, it's worth thinking if you are an individual going through the kind of thoughts in your head for organizations who is, uh, who, organization who are listening to, to our podcast uh, here in our conversation about motivation, uh, it's also good to think about how you could redesign work, workflow uh, to help to motivate your organize, uh, your employees within your organization. And I think that is also very important. Uh, there's so much to talk about motivation. And this is just a snapshot of what we have shared today, as, as usual, uh, from both our insight as, as business psychologists. Um, so if, if you are listening and you think you know what, you want to ask us some questions or uh, you have some comments for us, please feel free to write to us at chat at omnisite.com or tweet to site underscore chat. So we will be uh, delighted to receive any comments or questions. Uh, Both James and myself will be uh, uh, happy to answer them uh, if we can. (laughs) I'm sure we will. Um, As usual, James, thank you for your time to uh, chat with us. uh, My pleasure, Dr.
1: Austin. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure in the next recording, we will be coming up with another topic that we can talk about that is relevant to work. We should do motivation again. We should, don't we? Yeah, because so it's so big. much, it's such a big topic. And then, because it's, it's so linked to emotion too. Mm-hmm. And then we could actually talk about emotion. Now let us start thinking and let's do a bit of a crafting of our topics. <laughs> and then uh, we will let our listeners know. Right, as usual. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And thank you for listening to us.